Welcome, Primers, to this first of a couple, uh, our first annual of the summer, that being our Legends of Tomorrow annual. Uh, annual number two, since this is season number two of Legends of Tomorrow. And uh, yeah, it's going to be fun because it's always rough when we get to our first annual because we have to refamiliarize ourselves with the format. And we still don't know a lot of our own answers because this season was just so damn good. Uh, but introductions, of course, from the Showcast Spotlight here on the Next Level Podcast Network. I am Ben Beck. And from the Caffeine Crew cast of pods, I am Rob Martin. And yeah, so it's, it's going to be fun because there's, uh, we still don't know the answers to everything ourselves, which is going to make things very interesting. Of course, uh, we talk about our favorites, least favorite things from the season. We rate the season, talk about the villains, talk about the episodes. And, um, yeah, again, uh, this season was just so good. It's such a step up from last season, from season one, and we gave season one rave reviews. So uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. Yeah, absolutely. So um, first things first, of course, I want to uh, <clears throat> mention uh, that in the box office this week, uh, Wonder Woman no longer number one. Uh, Cars three has knocked it out. Not but, a surprise, though. In all no, honesty, no, not at all. I mean, Wonder Woman's one of those films that you you have a certain age range that you can take it to, but Cars is like an all 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 around family thing, and that's that's something, of course, that Disney Pixar knocks it out of the park every time they hit the they hit. So it, it's no surprise that Cars knocked it out. Right. At least it wasn't the Mummy that knocked it out. Oh God, that would have been depressing. Seriously, <laughs> especially considering <laughs> that the movie bombed in the box office. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Wonder Woman's over 500 mil, though, at this point, so which is fantastic. Oh, it, it's definitely had its, uh, it, it's done its work in, yeah. in the box office, and it'll continue to. I mean, it's number two, so it's, it, it's still going to be. A couple countries in... hasn't even opened in yet, still as well, so. Really? Yeah, I'm I think surprised. in August, it's still got uh, a few other foreign, uh, foreign territories, like large foreign territories, is still open in, so. Oh, well, that's good. I mean, yeah, and even here in domestically, it's going to be in theaters for a while. It's, there's no question about it. Cause I'm, I'm still planning yeah. on going to see it a second time. Yeah. I'm, I really want to go see it a second time myself. So. Yeah. So, uh, first things first, before we get into anything DC Legends of Tomorrow related, you have something that you wanted to bring to the attention of the listeners. Yes. So um, one of the things that me and Ben have been trying to do, uh, as well as everybody else on the Next Level Network, is trying to grow. I mean, that's been the key factor. I mean, there's, what, two new shows getting ready to get added to the network I, sometime <clears throat> in the, before the end of the year? Yeah, I was actually going to uh, piggyback on what you were talking about with that, but uh, we can mention it now. Yeah, um, when we were out at Harrisburg Comic Con a couple weeks back, we had a table set up with a booth, and the first time we ever did that. At any of the cons that we've ever been to, and we've been to a bunch, and that's the first time we ever had a table, a booth set up, uh, and it worked. We we have two new podcasts that are going to be joining the Next Level Podcast Network within uh, the next month or two. By the end of the summer, they'll be joining. <clears throat> they'll be in a probationary period until the end of the year, which is the way we always do it, and... Uh, and then come the next year, uh, you know, come January 1st, if they're still interested in being a part of the network, they will become a permanent fixture. And uh, they start uh, paying their dues, as as we call it, uh, to be a part of the network, which is fine. But uh, yeah, two new podcasts, two new podcasts joining the network. Uh, so already in that sense, we're, we're growing. Yeah, so. One of the things that me and Ben definitely wanted to do, I know we were kicking around, like, there's the idea of the Patreon or something like that in the future to kind of help 
just to fund our, our little our adventure. And it's not to make money to ourselves, but it's just to continue to be able to fund to do things like conventions and such. But in addition to that, though, too, we wanted to reach out to a couple of companies that we really dig. Uh, and one of the things you've never heard on any of these shows is been an ad. Um, well, we're adding one. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> But the reason for it, though, and I want to preface this before I even bring it up. We are actually not making any money from this. Normally, when you do ad ad reads and stuff like that, you have a fund that when that happens and people use codes or whatever, a little bit comes off the top and goes to you. Uh, that's not how we set this up. Um, how this is going to work is we might get some freebies to use as giveaways for folks, which I think is even better. So we're giving you kind of like it's a two for one for you guys. You just got to put up with like maybe 20, 30 seconds, but that means we're going to probably have a lot more to give away in the future. Uh, in addition to it, you get to save a couple bucks. So let's uh, just get into this. But the company that we are now working alongside is Board Game Bento. Uh, they are a subscription box very similar to people like Loot Crate. And I'll give you the little quick overview of this. And that's each month Board Game Bento comes with a themed surprise selection of tabletop games and accessories. Each box comes with at least $80 worth of games and is mailed right to your door. The advantage, uh, Take advantage of a special offer for $10 off your very first order. Over at BoardGamePento.com, if you use the offer code NEXTLEVEL at checkout, NEXTLEVEL is all one word, guys. Uh, but, like, again, subscription service, you can do monthly plans, three-month plans. I think they have actually a little bit more beyond that, too. But this month's theme, very specifically, which was kind of timely, is uh, is their theme is super, very specifically, superheroes. And uh, one of the things they recently just announced is there is officially licensed DC board games in this month's selection. So I thought you guys would really dig that. But I know a couple of you definitely enjoy board games, too, just as much as me and Ben. So uh, we thought this was a great fit. And we're talking about maybe joining forces with our secondary company as well, which is Comic Book Bento, which is the uh, box subscription for graphic novels. So we thought it would be a nice little mixture, especially for DC Primetime. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. And I'm actually on the site now. <clears throat> and I am testing the code because it worked, uh, because I think I'm going to subscribe to this first month just to get these DC board games. Yeah. So, so. <clears throat> yeah, so just, I mean, good example that, you know, as Rob mentioned, we don't make anything off the top of this. Uh, we're using the code ourselves. So, but uh, it'll be interesting to see because I think they're going to, as you had mentioned too, they're going to be sending us some stuff that we can use as giveaways and things like that. We got quite a few things that we're working on for giveaways throughout. Uh, and these are going to be network-wide too. These aren't going to be just DC Primetime and such. Uh, well, some of them may be. I think we're going to be working with our friend Brian Roll, who's an artist, to, to and since most of his drawings are all comic book and things like that, I think that'll probably be sp- uh, specifically to DC. Uh, but he's going to give us some artwork to give away a little bit later on down the road and... You know, we'll have these board games and things like that. So, uh, this will get the ball rolling that we're, we're looking forward to what this is going to do and what cool stuff this is going to bring for the future of DC prime time as well as next level. Yeah. And I think the only things we, we are real big caveats for ourselves is with any of this stuff is we're only ever going to plug things that we believe in or actually think are cool, like in general. And there's a ton of loot box kind of things out there. I love the idea they're doing this with board games because like board games, if you've never played them before, like the modern day stuff, it, you have no idea how different they have changed since when you were a kid and playing things like Monopoly and, you know, like all these other basics. Like there's some great ones that are still in everybody's minds, like Fireball Island, you know, oh, God, Fire, I remember all these other ones. Fireball Island. Uh, there's a company out there called Restoration Games that is actually in the process of potentially remaking that and making it and adding new mechanics to it. Oh, and I'm like, please. That would be amazing. Um, 
Yeah, it's a little company called Restoration Games. So if you're a board gamer, I would check out their stuff because they're always looking for people to vote on what games people want remade and changed. So that is one of them on there. It's so but funny. Anyway, too. it's so funny oh, too yeah, because y- you and your <clears throat> your group are the ones that have uh, pretty much gotten me into tabletop gaming. I was never into it before you and I became friends. And now, like, every time we do Extra Life, which we'll be talking about that soon, I'm sure, uh, as, you know, as well as, like, just game nights over your house. Like, now I'm into it. Like, now I love trying all these different games. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's great, too, because if you're if you've only played a couple things and you want to really expand or to start your own collection, it's a really easy way to do it and to seriously save some money. Because, I mean, these are they're getting these games at wholesale cost. So if you're ever go and buy direct from a publisher or, or anything like these are basically what the Kickstarter prices of these games would have been, which is usually about two-thirds of the actual retail cost. Yeah. So there's only a couple places out there that offer them at that pricing to begin with. So $80 of board games, I think most of the boxes I've seen are at least three games. There's always at least one big box game in there as well. So uh, it's a a pretty damn awesome deal. Yeah, absolutely. So like I said, I'm going to sign up for this first one. Yeah. um, All right. So let's stop shilling and uh, get into this. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right, so to remind you of our format for these annuals, here are the things that we will cover as we are talking about them. Uh, We will give you our favorite moment and least favorite moment from the season, season two, Uh, our best character and worst character of the season, best and worst episodes, and then, of course, at the end, we will rate the villains of the episode, giving it our one through ten ranking, uh, which also equates to our one of three-point ranking, sidekick, hero, or legend, and then we'll do the same for the season as a whole as well. Excuse me. So... As Rob and I had mentioned in the beginning, and um, we still don't even know uh, what some of our favorite moments and least favorite moments from this are because there are so many uh, as far as favorite moments and favorite episodes. And then as far as least go, uh, this season was so on par and so above par, actually, that it's tough to find our least favorite moments, characters, and episodes. Absolutely. Like, well, we normally don't talk about what our answers are going to be. And when we started our call today to discuss this, we were, we were like, uh, I, I'm lost and I don't know what to do. Um, and that's exactly how I still feel at the moment. Like we were going through, I'm like, well, what would have been the least? And we were going through episode by episode and we're like, holy crap, I don't think I have an answer to this question. So the least favorite uh, character and episode, I have a feeling we're going to be splitting some serious hairs trying to give a reasoning, but I think it's going to be purely nitpicks. Yeah, because so. I mean, even on the episodes that we were talking about that would have reasons for being our fa- our least favorite episodes, they there's still great things that happen in an episode where we're like, oh, well, wait a minute, we can't pick that one as our least favorite because this happened and this happened. So it it is it's going to come down to serious nitpicks as to what our least favorites are going to be. Yeah. God, the annuals are going to suck this year. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I mean that in the best way. I mean, that that just means and goes to show you how great these seasons were this year. Well, I mean, oddly enough, I mean, like, I don't think it's going to be difficult to find a least favorite episode of Supergirl, Flash, or Arrow this year. And it's not to knock any of their seasons. But I mean, like, even Arrow had, like, an off episode or two, but that's a full season. Legends is 17 episodes. It was a very focused story. They knew what they were doing. And... There's not a lot of chance for them to just do throwaways. So, yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, let's get started then. And let's start with our favorite moments of, uh, season two of Legends of Tomorrow. Um, and again, I, I apologize because my one cat is running around like crazy in the background and meowing. So if, if you hear him, I apologize. Um, 
because <laughs> I can't stop him. <laughs> um, favorite moment, uh, Rob? Do, uh, do you have anything in particular that you would choose as your favorite? Moment? I, I honestly, I'm gonna give. I have three things, and they all revolve around one character. Um, and I have a feeling he's gonna end up being my favorite character to boot this season as well. Uh, Ray. I fucking love Ray. Uh, he is. He's such a, this great light in this show, and he's constantly has been uh, since his first season. But more specifically, he had some amazingly great standout standout moments this season, and all of them were the ones that just stuck with me so incredibly well. Um, the first one, and I got to say, absolute favorite moment of this season, without question, Ray as the knight in Camelot making the lightsaber was one of the best moments of this show ever. Uh, I absolutely love that. But in addition to that one, though, too, I, I really have to give it as well to him and Gertrude, the T-Rex, uh, and the relationship with that, which was fairly damn amusing uh, as well. But I, I love the fact that you know Gertrude became a very quick fan favorite character in the background, and we everybody thinks we saw her at the end of the, the season finale as well, walking around the decimated streets of the city when they land with the, you know, jacked up timeline. Uh, I, but even I didn't even to put that together. Yeah. And that the other thing is, too, is that there's so many great moments that just between Nate and Ray. And I love, honestly, one of my favorite things and favorite moments this season is anytime the two of them shared a moment on screen together, because I love the brotherly connection between the two of them, the big brother, little brother thing. Uh, and I thought that worked and made the show fantastic. We got to see a lot of that in the episode, starting with Shogun, which was like, episode three of this season and then especially as things continued and into what we'll get into later which is the Raiders of the Lost Art episode um, which Ray and Nate just made that episode so much better than it already was so yeah um, see again like this is tough because there were so many great I think one of my favorite moments actually goes back to the beginning of <clears throat> goes back to the beginning of the season. It's actually the season premiere uh, when we see the legends with uh, the king and the queen back, you know, during the time of the Three Musketeers. And just seeing the interaction of um, of when, when Sarah sleeps with the queen uh, and just the interaction with Firestorm and Sarah afterwards is just... I, I went back and I rewatched a couple episodes of this season and that episode still makes me laugh just seeing... Um, seeing those interactions because it, it gives us, it gives us that sense of camaraderie right from the beginning of the season. It really sets the tone of the season, uh, when you go back and you think about it. And for that reason, I think that's one of my favorites. Um, you mentioned Ray Palmer too, which I think we're probably going to be in total agreement as far as our favorite character for this season and that episode as well. And that moment is, is one of mine as well, basically because. I'm getting ahead of myself, but that's probably my favorite episode of the season. Um, but yeah, there's so many great moments that it's hard to pick just one and it's hard to, uh, no, I, I, I digress. I have my favorite moment. It just, there's going to be a lot of these. I just it, thought of another six. It so just okay. popped. It just popped. One of my favorite moments of this season is finally getting to hear Martin Stein sing when he sings Idlewise, Idlewise in front of the Nazis in episode two of the, uh, of the sea. I think right, that was episode two. Uh, actually, I think that's the Chicago. 
was it the Chicago? No, no, it was early on because it was one of the ones I rewatched. Um, oh, yeah, you're right. That is the JSA episode. Yeah, it's yep. it's the JSA episode. So finally getting to hear uh, Stein sing, finally getting to hear um, um, Victor Garber, Victor yeah. Garber sing. When it was something we had wanted for a while because we knew at that point, I think we knew the musical crossover. Or maybe we didn't know the musical crossover was coming yet. Um, yeah, but yeah. Well, in addition, yeah, in addition to that, to, to him singing Deo. In yes. The, uh, the <laughs> <laughs> That's another one. That is, that is another one. But I actually know I think I will give you, though, I, I really I, I do agree with you as far as your thought process of that opening sequence uh, in the very first episode. Uh, I remember sitting down when the show premiered this this past season. Uh, sitting down with my wife and the grin on both of our faces during that entire sequence reintroducing us to this character these characters it felt right out of a comic book i love like when you pick up a book like like you know when it's in the midst of an action scene where you basically get those little like blurbs of like this is this character this is who they are because we got a highlight of everybody's power set the reintroduction to all these characters in a big huge way uh and it worked so incredibly well i loved everything about that and i think it worked flawlessly yeah that was such a great wonderful strong opening and it reminded me that i love these characters that much so yeah exactly absolutely agree so i mean that's i think that i think that probably is going to go to to be my favorite moment just because again it's it's a moment that sets the tone uh for the season and reminds us everything we loved about last year's season at the same time so i, I think that's i think that's going to go to uh, as my favorite moment from this season Okay. So, um, least favorite moments of the season. Again, this is going to be nitpicking because yeah. there's not a lot. Um, okay. Well, one of my key things is uh, there was a lot of odd misdirect stuff that was happening for a little while in the show that I think just was confusing because they kind of bypassed something. It felt like there was an episode that was missing. Um, and very specifically, uh, right around the time of the Chicago Way, which was episode eight. Uh, this was the episode right after Invasion. We started seeing Amaya and Mick kind of working a little bit more hand-in-hand hand together. It started in the Outlaw Country, the episode where we saw Jonah Hex return, uh, where Amaya and Rory were – well, Mick, Rory, you know, were spending a lot more time together. And there was seems like there was something interesting kind of coming from them. And then that continued in the Chicago way. And then the moment that after we hit – I think it's like when we hit uh, episode 11 – uh, Turncoat, which is the Revolutionary War episode. All of a sudden, there's this massive hard shift from a focus on Amaya and Mick together to uh, to Nate and Amaya. And it confused the hell out of me because I really loved that you know little connection that we were seeing with Amaya and Mick. Uh, I, I thought that was something that worked incredibly well. And if you think about how that would have impacted later on if they kept it Mick and Amaya, if the events of Doom World happened differently watching mick react to amaya getting killed by captain cold would have been a lot more interesting to watch than if it was nate so but i think i i think that was just something was missing there they didn't show a transition it felt like they were really trying to ship these two characters and then they just changed their minds in the middle of an episode and said now nah, let's just use these two and you're like what happened to their you know connection as friends because that got dropped and the relationship angle that they were starting to build build towards that got dropped. It was just very odd, uh, but that's that's a least favorite for me, big time. Okay, um, mine again is is nitpicky a little bit too. Um, 
and it goes to the one of the reasons uh, because of this is like I've always been a fan of a, a lot of the CGI that we get from the you know from from seeing Firestorm and seeing and seeing Ray as Adam and such which you know one thing I've realized going over this stuff in my head too is we there was a moment for a while throughout this season that it looked like we were going to see Ray's character go in a completely different direction. The Adam suit was destroyed, or was, that was this season, right? That wasn't last season. Am this I was this season. That was this season. Okay. No. Yep. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yes. All right. The, the suit was destroyed in the Shogun episode. Yes. So episode okay. Three. It was right. very early on. Yes. Okay. That's why I was thinking about. Like, wait a minute. That wasn't last season, was it? That was the season. Um. So I mean, we we saw what looked like was going to be a different direction for Ray's character, and we actually got very excited about that because as much as we loved seeing him as Adam, it was great being able to find a way for the showrunners to. Um, you know, shine a light on Ray and, and see his true abilities without, you know, a suit that helped him do that. And I remember we got very excited about this and we started making all these different predictions about what could happen, uh, and where he can go from here. And I think this is another little bit of a misdirect that went the wrong direction, sort of the same way as yours is, you know, when by the time, you know, a little bit later on in the season, we did see Ray come out of his shell a little bit when he did not have the suit. But eventually the suit did come back and we were like, oh, okay, well, Ray's back to being Adam again. But we never even got him mentioned. They never called him Adam. I'm just realizing that now. I don't think once throughout this entire season he's actually called Adam. Well, they pretty commonly don't mention <laughs> <laughs> many of the characters as far as their actual, you know, heroic iconic names at all it's very very rare in the show yeah um, that's true like well, the rest of the dc you know arrowverse shows um this show it's because it's it's them really just being connected together as friends um so i thought that i think think that actually works better here okay but i mean again going back to you know the whole thing with ray and and the possible the possible different direction they could have gone with i think there was a lot of potential there that wasn't exactly revealed um, I, I think you could have spent the rest of the season doing some things with Ray and trying out some different stuff to get him to really develop his character a little bit more. And then if you wanted to make him Adam again, save it for the very end of the season rather than, you know, midway like they did. Um, so, I mean, my, again, this is just a nitpick because Ray is still probably my favorite character from the season, but, um, I think you could have done more with that. Yeah, I, I do agree with you on that. I, I think that just like you said, and as you were saying that, I'm like, it would have been cool if they were just, he had to find a way to rebuild the suit, and they needed it for something at the very finale, and he would have had that big, huge moment and just be like, here's a brand new Adam suit, like a completely new look. This is what he's been working on in secret all season long, and then just bam. That would have been so awesome. Yeah. But you know what, though? Again, nitpick, because ultimately we still got so many amazing moments with this character. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, um, again, I mean, these are just nitpicks because there's very little, uh, you know, very little... uh to do and you know it's funny too because i i had a, a least favorite in mind and then as i was talking about it i completely changed direction and went yep, with that yep. one because that's what i started thinking of so and it's just it's funny how we start thinking about this as we're talking about it rather than beforehand well that's i it's why i kind of actually you know for these annuals i i have the notations on what we're going to discuss and i try never to jot down my answers, because I know as I think about it more and more, they're going to constantly keep changing. The only thing I usually try to really recall are the favorite moments, because those are really easy to slip out of your head. But like everything else, that this kind of comes naturally from just, just discussing it the way that we do. Because, again, 
I, I from talking about this, I didn't have a chance to watch the show, but now I'm like, oh my god, I need to go back and watch this entire season today. Like, I want to watch all of it today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, let's jump into the characters and talk about our okay. favorite and least favorite characters. I think one of the things that we're pretty much in agreement with is uh, our favorite character of this season. Uh, we've been talking about him quite a bit uh, as it stands already, and that's Ray Palmer. Um, he, I think, is one of those characters this season that even when he didn't have his power, still shined, man. Um, his interactions with everybody else were great. His interactions with Nate were great. His interactions with Mick are always fantastic. Um, so I think, I think he definitely shines above every other character this season. Yeah, I really agree because you know what? Every scene he was in, it just constantly elevated anybody else he was acting opposite of. I mean, like any character scenes, it was so perfect. Like, he was the character you always just cheered for over and over and over again. Anything that happened major. I mean, like, he went through such a huge shift this season of everything that happened to him, especially after the suit was destroyed. And we didn't see him back in it until Invasion. So there was a good, let's see, what, four episodes? I think that he was without the suit. But, you know, the Shogun episode, watching him without any power, was really interesting to watch. But that even, even kind of began in the JSA episode. One of Maya's is like, you're not a hero. You have a suit that makes you one. It doesn't mean you're special. Yeah. But like that was like this gut punch to this character. And I, watching that play out over a series of episodes was really well done. Uh, but I loved, you know, like the best things that came out of this, though, too. I love when he was, you know, Mick's new sidekick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and where they were they were going up, uh, you know, when they were walking through uh, the White House and just him stopping Dennis Jackson, like, those are Ronald Reagan's jelly beans. And he's like, should I take some? <laughs> he's like, we're bad guys. I can take some. <laughs> <laughs> but I yeah, mean, just the little <clears throat> moments like that, like him having the cold gun and kind of trying to become Captain Cold, like all these little moments were so great. And then again, as we mentioned, that Camelot 3000 episode, him being like, you know, like the Arthurian tale and the Arthurian legend inspired him so much. And it was, was so, you know, amazing for him. And he was just like, I want to be a knight more than anything else. I want to be a knight and help these people. Like, all these little things. It's just, it wasn't these humorous moments. You believed his character actually felt that way. Um, and it was one of those things, like, as you see it play out, you realize this guy is the heart of the team, but he's also become, you know, the light of this team a lot of times. I mean, the humor kind of helps, you know, break break some of the intense, you know, tension that we see kind of play out in the show but brandon ralph just constantly just demands your attention on screen and everybody was really worried after losing you know whitworth miller as a as a season regular who was going to take his place and a lot of us thought it was going to be dominic purcell and as much as i absolutely loved him this season brandon ralph just shined i think brighter than everybody else well so. and this is something i said last season too and i'll say it again this season because it still holds true if not even more than it did before um I was a fan of Brandon Routh as Clark Kent Superman in, in Superman Returns. I know a lot of people <clears throat> would criticize me for that, and a lot of people would say, like, oh, that was a horrible version. Uh, and it wasn't the best version, but I was still a fan of him as Superman. And then you come to Legends of Tomorrow, and it makes me realize, I'm like, you know what? He wasn't suited for Superman. This is the role he's suited for. Um, he does so much better when it comes to these more lighthearted, uh, you know, friendly characters. I mean, granted, Superman is a lighthearted Boy Scout. Um, but there's 
when you add humor to the character, Brandon Routh just shines. And I mean, you take another character that he plays that I absolutely love, and that's the vegan in Scott Pilgrim versus the world. <laughs> it's such a great role for him, and he plays it so well because it's that, it's that absolutely absurd yet funny character. And Brandon Routh, when it comes to humor, he just shines and he, it fits so well when it comes to Ray Palmer. Uh, on this, I was a fan of Brandon Routh as Ray Palmer back on Arrow when he was there before he went to Legends. And since Legends, man, he's just become one of my favorite characters on this show. And I got to give him a shout out to another movie that a lot of people forget about with him. Dylan. Dylan Dog. Dog yep. Uh, it's like an hour and a half long episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. and It's so good. <laughs> I love that movie. It's so much fun. Yeah, I, I, that one's a lot of fun, too. But I mean, it's just he's he's somebody that I just I've grown to love on the show and I love him more and more. And I'm so happy that it seems like he's sticking around, too, for the third season. So, I, I you know, I don't think anybody's leaving for no. the second going to the third. season. We'll talk about that at the end. Um, yeah, because we'll make some predictions too into the third season. Um, what about our worst favorite characters? Oh, our least God. favorite characters. <laughs> Again, it's, Why? Na- it's it's nitpicking. <laughs> it's it's absolute nitpicking. Um, you know, uh, honestly, I think this is the hardest call I think I've had to make. I think talking about any of these shows uh, and any of even the annuals we've ever had to do. Uh, normally, this, when we get to this point, I have a clear cut answer, and this is, I think, the hardest one to make. Um, man, that's a really fucking tough question. I'm going to make you go first. Oh, man. Oh, God. I I have one in mind, but again, it's, it's no fault of the character, actually. It's more a fault of the writers. Um, I'm going to go with Jax. Uh, only because I, I'm looking back and I'm, I'm thinking back of everything at this season, and it doesn't seem like we got as much of a focus on his character as we did everybody else. Uh, we got to see Martin Stein. <clears throat> Professor Stein step up as a leader before Sarah took over. Then we got to see Sarah take over as a leader. We we saw everything that we saw with Ray, uh, with Mick, you know, stepping up in times before. Nate, obviously, and then Vixen at the same time, and Amaya. Um, we've got the Legion of Doom who were just all amazing together, you know, in, you know, John Barham and uh, Neil McDonough and Matt Letcher. I don't feel like we got as big a focus on Jax this season. There were a yeah. couple, there were a couple moments, obviously, I think when Rip in the beginning of the season was kind of mentoring him to be able to fix the wave rider, uh, if anything were to happen to him and then something does. But other than that, we really got us, we really saw him kind of put to the side quite a bit. Um, and for that reason, it's not, He's not my least favorite character by far, but when you compare him to everybody else, he falls to the bottom of the list. Yeah, I, you know what? As you said that, I was kind of looking through the list again and seeing, I'm like, you know what? I think you're right. I think the last big, huge moment we felt like I really got with him this season was that Civil War episode, which was episode four. It's when they're in the slave plantation, like him and Amaya. Um and that was, I think, such a great, strong season. I'm like, man, we're going to get a lot from this character this season. We're going to really kind of continue down an emotional journey with Jax. And it never happened. Uh, he he felt this season, and again, you're right, it's, it has to do with the writers, not the actor. Um, it's He kind of felt like relegated to Dr. Stein's sidekick this season a little bit. Because Stein was such a big focus. Uh, you know, like if you go through the characters, Amaya has to deal with knowing her fate. 
Nate is a man that had never had powers that is thrust into the middle and is kind of the focal point of the story we're telling this season. Sarah's becoming coming to grips with becoming a captain and, and leading this team. Stein's dealing with making a decision that causes an aberration and creates a daughter for himself that he never knew he had and struggling with the fact of what's the right thing to do based off of his job as a hero. Uh, Mick dealing with the loss of his best friend and how it impacts him through his life. And does he have a place here when everybody still kind of views him as a criminal? Uh, you know, all these characters have these strong, huge moments. And then Ray is like, what makes a hero? Uh, Jax was, can I fix a ship? Yeah. Uh, and that's, that was kind of the downside. And because I thought after the Abominations episode where him trying to be this very just person, I loved that angle, but they dropped it and didn't do anything more special with him. And I think it's just because, again, it, they have a short amount of time to work with things. And I think if they had another three or four episodes, I think we would have got a lot more from him. We, we saw him come into his power set a lot more this season. That's definitely for sure. But uh, as far as seeing him do a lot of bigger things and having a real tale to tell the story uh, this season, he really didn't, which was a shame uh, because he is one of my favorite characters on the show. And I really want to see them kind of address that next season because, you know, Fred's drama is fantastic in the show. Everybody that's cast in the show does an amazing job. It's not like last season where we're like, there's two big problems on the show and they both need to fly, fly away. Hawks! Yeah. God, get rid but, of them. But I mean, you know, Jax is a really great character. And if you think about last season, they had the whole angle about him dealing with being able to potentially see his father again and watching the impact of that, which was huge. Uh, he was one of the biggest impacted characters in the first season. So maybe that's why we didn't see as much with him yet this season. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think unfortunately it's Jefferson Jackson. Yeah. <clears throat> and again, like as we mentioned, it's no fault of him. It, it's the writers. I mean, they just did not do enough with him when it came to this season. Yeah. So, I agree. Um, episodes. This ought to be fun. Um, let's talk about our favorite episodes. Uh, I kind of have two. Um, one of them is, I'm sure, falls on the list of a lot of viewers and we'll just talk about it now and get it out of the way. That's invasion. Um, all three parts of the invasion storyline. I, I want to go back and rewatch them because, um, and watch them back to back to back because man, that crossover was just amazing. Uh, and you know, it all got wrapped up with the legends of tomorrow. And I'm looking at like the ratings and the viewership of the episodes and that episode by far Almost doubles every other episode this season. Um, you know, a lot of the other episodes fall between 1.5 and 1.7 million viewers an episode, uh, with the exception of the Chicago Way, which is at two million two million viewers. But that's the episode that followed Invasion. Invasion was 3.39 million viewers. So, I mean, almost double any other episode that Legends has had. So, I mean, that you're talking about a lot of people who probably never watch Legends tuning in because of the crossover. Yeah. So, um, but as far as the other normal episodes that go, it's, it's, when it comes to me, it's no question. This episode will always be my favorite. It has been my favorite of all two seasons, uh, of both seasons of Legends of Tomorrow. When we talked about the episode, I made no bones about it. I made, expressed my love for this episode so much. Camelot 3000 is stands by far as one of my favorite episodes of this season. Uh, I'm, yeah, it's, a, I'm a huge fan of Arthurian, Arthurian, God damn it. Arthurian. <laughs> Arthurian lore. 
Um, and when now there's another cat meowing in the background. Um, stop it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so to see that episode and to see Ray again as my favorite character from the season step up and be the focal point of this episode without, um, or did he have, I don't think he used the, the Adam suit in that episode, did he? Yes, he did. No, he did. He did, because that's how he ionizes the sword. <laughs> yes, which your favorite moment, one of your favorite moments. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, Camelot 3000, to me, I, I I love that episode so much because it reminded me of the Once and Future King uh, and my love for Arthurian lore. So that that will always be, at least out of these two seasons so far, that's my favorite episode. Yeah. Um, for me, I, I actually... I've got two um, as well. Uh, actually, two different ones that you have. Okay. Um, and I almost had a third in there, but I don't know if I can I can really try to attempt to squeeze this in there as well. But uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll give it an honorable mention because it was a great episode because there were so many good episodes this season. Uh, so the Legion of Doom episode is the honorable mention, which is when we see an entire episode from the focal point of Malcolm Merlin, Damian Dark, and Eobard when it's just them. Uh, it's them being the primary focus, and we get that wonderful black flash moment at the end of the episode um which is that whole moment where they're trying to realize how to outsmart the black flash was so awesome uh it's such a highlight of this season um and then i would say the one that actually really does come in second for me is hands down is doom world um when we see this twisted world changed by the spear of destiny and seeing where all these characters now are and how this all impacts. But then just the little things that happen, like the death of Amaya, all these things uh, just playing out and seeing this twisted world. And you're just like, where the hell do they go from here? Um, it was so amazing to watch. I loved every second of that, and it worked so incredibly well. Uh, I absolutely, absolutely adored that episode because they had so much fun with it, and you could see it. But, like, you had everything from the villain monologuing. Like, we got the little bit with them, you know, in the beginning showing us the trophies of all the heroes that have been killed. Uh, seeing this very twisted world, and I wish we could have gotten a chance to see that for at least one more full episode. I think that could have been amazing. Um, but I absolutely love Doom World. It was such a great episode uh, and a great culmination of what the season was. But my number one slot, hands down, without question, Raiders of the Lost Art. <laughs> As the team goes back to 1967 to save George Lucas and make sure he creates Star Wars, which directly impacts both Ray and Nate's futures. And I love watching how they function without their powers, losing all their mindsets, and just the sheer amount of Star Wars nerdiness and love for, for that and uh, George Lucas's, uh, you know creations in that episode were just amazing. I absolutely, absolutely love that episode. And I could watch that one over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, and, and I completely forgot about Doom World too. Like that episode, that's one that would be, man, that's, that's high up on my list too, man. Cause I remember us raving about that episode. Um, I think we both gave that like the high, I think we both gave that 10 out of 10 when we, yeah, ra- yeah. when we rated it that, that week. So, I mean, uh, yeah, that's such a great episode too. When we go through these lists, I mean, like, I don't think we ever gave a sidekick to a single episode this season. It, it, there was always a hero or a legend, and more often than not, it was a legend. Yeah. So, But so. you know what? Thinking about it, I think this kind of helps me shine a light on my uh, my least favorite episode of this season. And I think I'm going to – I know what yours is, and I think I'm going to share that sentiment. Um, and it's – again, it's purely nitpicking. Um, if Mine you isn't. 
My, mine is not a nitpick. Mine is a definite. <laughs> Mine's more of a nitpick. So I'll, I'll go first then, and then I'll let you go into more detail as to why you're choosing it. Um, uh, but I'm going to go with you. I'm going to go with Aruba as my favorite, the season finale. Um, not because I wasn't, um, it's not because I wasn't entertained by the episode, but I think when you, when you piggyback off of an episode that's as good as Doom World, uh, it kind of loses a little bit of its luster and you kind of feel almost wanting more by the end and not in a good way. Uh, you know, not to mention the fact that I think the way the episode ended with them back in, you know, Los Angeles in 2017 and, and the, you know, there's, different buildings and there's dinosaurs and things like that. I kind of feel like that was a little too open-ended. I kind of feel like they went into that, that last moment of it saying, uh, we can do this. We don't know where we're going to go with the season yet. So let's do this. Um, so I kind of feel like that was a little, a little bit of a cop out of a, of a, uh, of a cliffhanger ending going into season three. So I, but other than that, I really didn't have any other issues with the episode. So, I mean, what about you? Like, what are some of your, uh, your other issues with that episode that makes it fall to that, to your, your least favorite episode? Are you there? Oh, sorry. My mic, my mic was, uh, being weird. Oh, okay. (laughs) I guess I clicked out of a window and I guess I accidentally muted my mic. Oh, yeah. Uh, but no, yeah, no, as far as for me, um, yeah, you're right. It's coming off of Doomworld is one of the big problems. But I think what it is is this show proved to us in the first season they are not afraid to take risks. Aruba played it so incredibly safe. It was very disappointing. Um, uh, again, I would give that episode still a hero. I would never say it was a bad episode. But it didn't work for this show as a finale. Because if you think about it, we, when we got the tease at the end of the season one finale where like JSA – Everybody's losing their minds. And at the end of this, I'm like, hey, look, it's an aberration. We deal with these in every episode. How are we going to fix it? The same way we fix it every other other episode, which means poorly, but we'll get it done. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's the problem is, like I said, it, this show culminates on this moment because one of the things that I think drove us all nuts was leading up to episode 15, because we all knew it for the longest time, was Leonard Snart is coming back. Like, when is he coming back? When is he Oh, he's coming back. There's only three episodes left to go. Hey, they barely used him. Doomworld. Hey, he's really interesting here. Episode 17. They they didn't do anything really with him. They they made him this massive threat in Doomworld where they said, hey, I'm going to pluck a character away from you all. And they immediately go back into episode 17 by resol- and resolve it, um, which becomes problematic um, because the fact that it's immediately resolved – the stress that they threw on the audience from watching the show in episode 16 completely is negated. Everything that happened in that episode, obviously because it's an evil twisted timeline, of course it's going to get negated, but it did it so neatly without any real fe- feeling of real ramification aside from, Hey, we, we mucked up time. They muck up time every time they fix something in the show. Like, let's be honest. Uh, you know, it's just the honest truth of how, how the legends operate, and we all know that and expect that. So the fact that they create a massive aberration, sure, but, like, you know, where is the, the, the massive tease, like, you know, like, hey, the JSA is coming in. Like, if they're like, hey, the Legion of Superheroes is going to be here to help save your asses, 
something like that could have been really awesome. Like, uh, you know, I was expecting a little bit more coming out of the JSA. Maybe like something happened where the JSA would have teamed up with them at the end because that was such a big tease going into the season. They had so many opportunities to make this a lot larger than life, more bombastic, and it never happened. Uh, You saw all the characters, alternate versions of themselves, pretty much killed off. Uh, and that was kind of the end of it. Like they're like, Hey, we're on a suicide mission. And the ones from doom world go back that are the ones missing their powers. All these things all get killed. The original team succeeds earlier on. And we put a nice little bow on it at the end. And that's the end of the story. There was a little bit too much humor for what was happening where they're trying to sneak around and not cause a paradox. And that felt like that went on for about 20 minutes and you only have about 45 to work with the show. So the, they really didn't do anything that was outstanding. I would have loved to have seen, and I even mentioned it when we reviewed the episode, I would have loved to have seen one of the characters from the timeline when they're at World War One that's supposed to make it through die and then have somebody that was from Doomworld come into play. I would have, if you're going to make Nate and Amaya connected together, I would have loved to have seen an Amaya that has seen her Nate killed and then a version of, Nate that saw his version of Amaya killed and them having to deal with that ramifications because they're not the same people anymore. Uh, and what that would have done to the team. Uh, maybe somebody that had powers no longer have powers and how that affects somebody. If like Stein or Jax died and what happens now that we now need to try to find somebody like the character's still around, but now we need to find a new member of Firestorm. Uh, all these little things could have been really interesting, but they, they did not take advantage of the opportunities they had, which I think makes this episode lack pretty heavily. Yeah, I remember us talking about that too, about, you know, the, the possible switch up of characters of a Doom World character sticking behind and a, and a legend that we know being killed off and the Doom World character having taken its place. It, it really would add a new dynamic to the show going forward into season three. It would definitely add some things that they had to, uh, that they would have to work with. And uh, it would have been, uh, fun as well as interesting to see. So yeah, I can share your, your sentiment with that as how that could be, um, a little bit of a misstep when it comes to this finale uh, in this episode. Yeah. Like I said, don't get me wrong. Still still enjoyed it. But I would say out of every finale that any of these shows had this season, this was probably the lesser of the four. So, yeah. Yeah, I can I can see that, too. Um, again, that's one of the reasons why I made it mine as well. I kind of bit off you a little bit, but um Oh, quite OK. Uh, it's because I really didn't have anything else to choose from this season as my as my <laughs> least favorite. So, yeah, I mean, even like the little one-off sing- single ep- single episodes. I mean, like I know the other one that I was toying with a little bit too was Turncoat. Uh, but at the same time too, as I'm going through Turncoat, it's watching the team deal with Rip as a bad guy. Uh, and what that does to the team, there's so many little things that happen. And like, again, you, you, when you're talking about the George Washington American Revolution, the end of that, we, you know, because of the events that happened, there's now a statue of McRory uh, from the you know, re- like American Revolutionary War that exists. Like, all these little things. Like, there was so much fun to be had there, which I don't think I felt that way at all throughout the course of uh, Aruba. So, yeah. Um. All right, let's go into our ratings of the season. Or do we want to make predictions? for? No, we'll make predictions after we, we'll rate. Um, do we want to rate the villains first and yeah, then we'll rate the season? Yeah, we're going to rate the villains first and then we'll rate the season as a whole. Uh, so as we usually do this, if you don't remember from last season's uh, annuals, uh, we're instead of our three-point ranking, we're going to do both. We're going to do a three-point ranking. Uh, and we've done this for other things this season as well. 
uh, for any movies like uh, Return of the Cape Crusaders, I know we did it with. Uh, we're going to give it a 1 through 10 rating rather than the 3 point, but uh, it's going to work as in 1 through 3 is sidekick, 4 through 7 is hero, and then 8 through 10 is our legend. Uh, and, of course, the when we're rating the baddies this season, we're rating three people. Uh, Damian Dark, Malcolm Merlin, and, of course, Eobard Thawne, the Reverse Flash. Um do you want to go first or do you want me to go first with this one? Uh why don't you why don't you kick off on this one? Um I have to say that the villains of this season were probably one of my all-time favorite things about this season. Um I have had the pleasure and again I'm humble bragging here hum, hashtag #humble brag. Um I have had the opportunity to meet all three of these gentlemen and talk to and spend some time with these gentlemen. I've actually moderated panels uh, with one of them and, and had conversations with another one when John Barrowman I just took a picture with and spoke with very, very quickly. Uh, but Neil McDonough and Matt Letcher I've had conversations with. Um, the interactions between these three gentlemen together are brilliant. And I would love to see more of the three of them together, with the exception of the fact that now John Barrowman has left the Arrowverse officially, uh, and Matt Letcher, we don't know what's going to happen to Eobard if he will be returning, because it seems like he has kind of been written off in the sense that we've seen. I would have loved to have seen more of it, but um, unfortunately, I don't know if that's going to happen. We can't exclude when it comes to the villains, too, uh, Wentworth Miller. Uh, having played a part for a short period of time as well, uh, completing the Legion of Doom. So when it comes to, and, and it's always great seeing Leonard Snart come back. So as far as my ranking goes, when it comes to ranking these villains, ah, oh man, I, as close to a perfect 10 as I can get, I'm going nine. Um, th- this was a legendary set of villains. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm actually exactly right there with you. I, I think. They easily get a nine, uh, and that legend ranking, they definitely deserve it. And what other people you got to throw into the mix too is a villain is Rip for Rip, quite yeah. a bit of time because it was really fun watching such an all, you know, alternate version of Arthur Darvel's character being played out and used against the legend so effectively. Um, but I mean, especially when we hit that moment where it was the Legion of Doom episode itself. Uh, when we are focusing on all of them and watching the infighting, I mean, this just took me back to like being a kid. Of watching, you know, the Legion of Doom in like, you know, Super Friends and Challenge of the Super Friends. The infighting that used to happen there, uh, which was so great. It was that backstabbiness that worked so incredibly well. What are we getting out of the deal? All these little things. And then just the banter between them, especially Neil McDonough and John Barrowman, uh, Damian Dark and Malcolm Merlin bantering back and forth. Any time they had an opportunity to just always made me smile. I absolutely, absolutely loved every time they got a chance to do that. But I, I loved the fact that ultimately what always brings down these kind of groups and core groups of villains, as we saw in Doop World, was the willingness to backstab each other and potentially put the plan really in peril as far as what they're attempting to do. Uh, which ultimately, you know, it's, you know, Captain Cold being the reason why everything actually plays out the way it does. But, I mean, having Reverse Flash as the big bad of all of this, really, like as the the, the core uh, you know, the core villain of this uh, this group, they used him perfectly. He wasn't in it all the time. He was only in it when he needed to be there, and I thought that worked. I love the reasoning for it, that he's making brief stop-ins, causes the chaos, and gets out to just save his own ass. But I loved 
all of these aspects of it. It worked so incredibly well. And I love the fact that they were not afraid to take some risks with these characters and sometimes make them a little goofier or, you know, just put them into odd situations, just make them fun. But like one of the great episodes that we haven't talked about at all was episode 14, which was Moonshot. I loved watching Ray. Oh, God, again, Ray and Eobard. Ray and Eobard on that shuttle together. But I love when you get back into Eobard's head a little bit. And he's like, I miss this. I miss working with a group of people on something with science. And him bringing up Caitlin and Cisco and Barry. Like, the fact that, like, you actually believed in that moment he really cared about those people in some essence, especially Cisco and Caitlin. Um, but the fact that he had to do what he had to do because of he wanted to get back home. <laughs> he didn't care, and he's the most important person to himself is always going to be himself. But watching those moments worked so incredibly well, and they made that character kind of more terrifying when you get inside their head and you just realize he generally gives a shit about some of these people. At the same time, though, they're all expendable still. And that was what makes him a really great, unique, interesting villain. So here, here's my question. And this is something I just thought about. And this is kind of going into predictions for the, for the future of the show as well. If, not necessarily for the show, but for this character. At the end of the flash, we saw the black flash destroyed by Caitlin. Can this have an impact on Eobard's fate? When did this fall within the timeline? Is Was Eobard... Because it was a alternate timeline in which Eobard was killed. So, in essence, could we see the destruction of the Black Flash in the Flash have an impact on Eobard's character and still keep him around? Well, I don't know if you can ever really kind of kill a Time Wraith or, or, or the Black Flash. I mean, like, I, he always finds a way to come back. But so does Eobard. Eobard always finds a way to come back. He's been killed off in the comics I don't know how many times or been taken off the board. I mean, this happens with comic book characters all the time, and I'm sure they'll find a way to bring him back because he's kind of an integral character to all this, um, especially to The Flash. But I don't think he's going anywhere. I think he'll just be off the board for some time, and they'll find a way to bring that back. I hope so because I, I, I've I said it even from the first season of The Flash. I love Reverse Flash. Like it's it's probably one of my favorite characters uh, that we've seen on the show, and I think it's just because I while I love Barry's suit, God that that Reverse Flash suit is just like if I had a choice between cosplaying as the Flash or Reverse Flash, I'm going Reverse Flash every time. Yeah, th- th- I mean, that suit about is just too. awesome. If they ever end up in the future or any of these characters end up in the future at some point, he still has to come from the future at some point to come back to this timeline. So there's still plenty of stories that they they can tell with Reverse Flash. That's true. I didn't even think about the future. So Mm -hmm. um, so as – did you give it – you did. You said nine. You you were right there with me. Nine, yeah. And I I think the only thing for me that would have made it – bumped it up and given it a perfect ten is we needed to see more of Snart. Yeah, I agree with you. So if we saw more snart, I, we would have had uh, this would have these these real villains would have gotten a perfect ten, absolutely. So uh, now it's time to rate this season as a whole, uh, incorporating everything from our favorite, least favorite moments, favorite and least favorite characters, favorite least favorite episodes, the villains as well. Uh, we'll give this a ranking. Uh, I'll let you go first on this one since I started with the villains. Uh, same ranking system: one through three is sidekick, four through seven is hero, and of course uh, eight through ten is legend. This is getting a legend, but it's going to get an eight. Damn it! Uh, the, <laughs> like I said, I loved the season. The majority of these episodes, and it even shows you when we're trying to find a bad episode of the mix, and we're having a very hard time doing it. 
is very proof positive to the quality of the season. I think it's, again, it's that finale that really drags this score down. But in addition to it, really wanted to see a lot more of the JSA. Uh, I really felt like they had an opportunity to really use these characters a lot more. Uh, one of the big things that was talked about, too, and we were like really giddy about it, was that Lance Hendrickson kept saying there is going to be ties to him being, you know, the son of Green Lantern, you know, with Obsidian. Never happened. It was probably something that was shot, something that was trimmed back. All these little things, though. I mean, like, we had opportunities to do so much more with these characters, and uh, they were really relegated to the background. Like, we, we got that quick fight in the beginning, and we're like, oh, they're all coming back. Uh, a star, uh, a side, uh, sorry, bleh, a star from, <laughs> ah, aside from Stargirl, that's hard to say, uh, when we saw her in the Camelot 3000 episode and Amaya, it feels like we didn't get an absolute ton of these characters, uh, but we did see a good little bit of, uh, you know, Nate's grandfather with Commander Steel in Moonshot. Uh, but again, uh, Dr. Midnight and Obsidian and all these characters, like a Rex Tyler, all these characters all were really relegated to very much being hardcore background characters who would have loved to see a lot more from each of them. Um, especially a nice way to tie them into the finale, I think would have been pretty damn cool. And they didn't take that initiative. And it was, that was one thing that was very disappointing. But, uh, aside from the main characters though, and the villains, they were fantastic. They were great, deserved all the praise. There were so many fun episodes and they had just a great goofy time with so many of the concepts that they did this season. The show was all about fun and they succeeded Every week, hands down, without question. It's just uh, the build-up and payoff just didn't work as well as I would have liked, but it was still enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, I am going an eight as well. Um, that's why I said damn it when you said it, because that was my ranking in my head before we even started. And then so, I mean, it just goes to show that with a couple exceptions, we're pretty much on par with how we feel about this season. Um uh, you know, a couple moments that I, I thought were a little bit better, and you kind of touched on all of them uh, going into this point as well. So there's not really a need for me to repeat most of it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's a legend for me as well. This season was just so fantastic. Uh, and again, when we talk about our, some of our least favorite moments, we're really just nitpicking. Um, and when you, when you come down to that, uh, it just goes to show you how well written this season was and how much fun it was just to watch and to, to rate and review, uh, throughout the entire time. So, you know, we already know there's a third season coming. We've already gotten a couple announcements of at least one new character that's coming, and I'm sure there's going to be some others as well. Um, but, um, let's make some predictions for the third season. What kind of things do we think we're going to see? What kind of, uh, um, things would we like to see? happen as far as the continuation of the show oh god that's the hardest question i think of them all um i think as long you know, i think as long as um there's no vandal savage and the hawks uh we'll be fine uh what i would love more than anything else i think next season is i would love to see because it seems like time is very much scattered by the end of the season. Uh, anything that could be out of place uh, can be now. Where you're, I'm, My hope is, I don't know if they're going to be time hopping as much, or if they're basically trying to t work in the time that they're focusing on currently and trying to get everything back into place where it belongs. So, I mean, obviously, you know, we're definitely going to have time hopping, but I'm wondering if it's going to be a more of a central focus. Um, the big question for me is who the villain's going to be. And that I really can tell you at this point in time, I have no fucking clue. I um, I have a thought on uh -huh. that, um, and I think it would be something very interesting. I don't think it's something they're going to do, but I, I think it would be very interesting if it was something they 
uh, they could work with or they could attempt. I would think that the villains could be themselves. Uh, in that they are now in this alternate 2017 and they are the ones that caused it. Um, so now they're kind of fighting a battle against themselves to fix it. Well, the other people they're fighting a battle against is the Time Bureau that's been created by Rip Hunter. So I, I'm very curious to see how that's going to play out. I mean, is, is this going to be because, you know, like from reading the synopsis, the synopsis that we already know for next season, the Time Bureau is a brand new basically like version of the Time Masters that are out there. And Rips basically has his own team and is kind of reestablishing the Time Masters in a proper way and seeing how that plays out. I'm very curious to see how that plays out because we obviously know the Legends and Rip are going to be butting heads next season in a big, bad way. Uh, the question is how that's going to play out. Are the Time Bureau folks going to be the people that the Legends are going to be up against for the majority of all this? I'm very, very curious to see how that's going to work. Um, but I, I will say at this point in time, you know, if, if we're going to see a big DC villain, uh, I, I, at this point in time, I don't know who that could be or would be at this point. So, but I'm sure they're going to find a way to make something cool work. Now, I don't know if there's anything to this or not. Uh, but, uh, season three of Legends of Tomorrow on the Arrowverse wiki does have Neil McDonough still listed as Damian Dark. Uh, the other ones are relatively gone. Uh, uh John Barrowman is not listed anymore uh, as well as, um, Eobard is not listed anymore as well. But Damian is still listed as a, as a cast member for next season, uh, huh. as well as Talia Ash. So, I mean, this has been updated since Talia Ash has been added. Uh, Neil McDonough is still on the list. So, um, maybe he's just got a single episode somewhere, you know? I, possibly. I, I'm really, really not too, too sure. Uh, the one thing I would, will say this I would love to see is I want to see some more Star City 2046. Uh, I would really, really love to see that. And I would love to see, you know, uh, Connor Hawk that we saw. Uh, in that alternate timeline from last season, uh, make an appearance again. I think that would be really cool. And in addition to that, I want to see the guys spend some more time in the future. Um, that's one thing I don't feel like we really got to see this season, where we did see them dabble with it a little bit more in season one. Uh, but season two, aside from that quick little moment that we got when they went to see Dr. Midnight uh, and get the other piece of the Spear of Destiny, that was really it. That was really it with them. Uh, so jumping forward a little bit, maybe crossing paths with the Legion of the Superheroes somewhere would be great. Uh, I think that could be an awesome, awesome touch. Maybe even seeing a speedster in the future. I know one of the things I said I wanted to see more than anything else was see them hit, like, 2056 and see Bart Allen maybe in there somewhere as well. Uh, like, that future version of Heroes, I think, could be something that they could really take advantage of in this show, and I think that would be really cool to see them focus on. Yeah. Uh, a couple confirmed plot points for the third season going forward. Uh, there will be a four-way crossover with Supergirl, The Flash, and Arrow, which we already knew. Uh, and, and, I, true and it's a true four-episode crossover, not a still little stinger with Supergirl. They yes. said they are working. They said they have blackout times already for the cast of Supergirl to work in the crossover already planned into next season where they didn't going into this one, which is why we all got those stingers for the musical and invasion. So. Yes. And I do, uh, I do have my, my feeling is that everything that is going on with this alternate 2017 will be wrapped up and corrected before the crossover. Uh, I think it would have to be because otherwise you're going into a timeline that's kind of, uh, I mean, all, I think all these things would have to be fixed before you go into that crossover. Because they're in a completely alternate timeline. That timeline would need to be fixed in order for everything to be restored and this crossover to happen. Yeah, but I mean, it's also there's a chance of maybe they're in a different Earth or created a new part of the multiverse. So 
True. <sighs> Who uh, knows? Uh, but uh, other confirmed plot points, the legends are going to be shaken up again as as they were at the start of season two with new members on the Wave Rider. Uh, the first one being, as we know, uh, Zari Adriana Tamaz, who will be joining the Wave Rider crew. Uh, also a new hero, not original to the show, but not from the comics and not in any other DC Arrowverse shows will appear. Uh, Rip Hunter will create a new organization known as the Time Bureau, which you just mentioned. Uh, the Legends will need to return all acronyms to their original timelines before the time stream falls apart. Um, instead of being, f- instead of fixing apparitions like in season two and confirmed, Damien Dark will return in season three. So there you go. Yeah. I mean, like I said, hands down, as long as they match the tone that they set this season, I think the show is a win regardless. Uh, and I hope that we have a very clear cut answer on who the big bad is early on in the season. Uh, I, I'm really hoping that they get, I know, again, half season again next season. I hope they get a full 17 episodes like they did for this year. Uh, I know they were originally only planned for, I think, 12 or 13. So the fact that they, they realize they need to bump up the, the amount, I, I really hope they make sure that they, they get this right. So. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll say it again too. I mean, do we really need a big bad though in the in the beginning of this season? Because if they're basically correcting things from time, does there have to be somebody behind it if they're things that they cause themselves? Do no, we they really need a big bad? They absolutely don't need to. But I mean, maybe it's something along the lines of in this twisted world, somebody rose to power and they have to put a stop to it. Okay, so. I can I can see that. I mean, uh, I, again, it, it's it feels this show works well because it. They've always had a central focus, um, and it's not just fixing the aberrations, but uh, there's also another reason to do it quicker or make sure they get something else done. And I think that does work really well. I'm sure they will. They have an, a complete opportunity to mix up the formula, and I think regardless of whatever way they're going to go, as long as they have the same writers and showrunners, I, I'm not worried one bit. Yeah. Uh, one final question before we, we wrap things up on this. Uh, as far as the characters go, uh, Legends, of course, showed us at the end of Season 1 that characters can leave and new characters can come on. We know of two new characters that are going to be added to it next season. But out of the entire cast and crew of the Wave Rider, as it stands at the end of Season 2, which character or characters do you think the Wave Rider could have lost and the Season 3 still been a str- still be a strong season? Uh, la- Firestorm. Okay. I think Fire, Firestorm could still, uh, you know, I could see that actually being the one that makes the most sense currently. Uh, I, I, just because, again, with Dr. Stein now having uh, his daughter Lily, uh, I could see him wanting to spend more time being back at home, which means if he leaves, Jax has to leave as well. Um, so there's that big question of would they do that? I love both of those characters and don't want to see them leave, though. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if I had to say any two, I would actually say Nate and Amaya. Uh, only because of the relationship that, that butted at the end of that. And I think, uh, there's been a lot of prediction and talk that the possibility of those two being the, the grandparents of the current, current day vixen that we know. Uh, right. So, I mean, if they had left and, um, you know, focused on a relationship and a life together, I could see that having played into it as well. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I would love to see though next season too, just thinking about it, I would love to see Amaya. Uh, come face to face with uh, the Megalin EK version of uh, Vixen. Uh, having both of them together would be awesome. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. So, yeah. So there you have it. Our annual number two of season two legends of tomorrow uh of course we want to hear your opinions about anything that we talked about as well let us know your favorite episodes least favorite 
characters, favorite moments, everything about the show that we just discussed. Uh, share your opinion on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash DC primetime, uh, and let us know, uh, what you thought of season two as well. Uh, but before we wrap things up, we of course have news to talk about. So Rob, I turn it over to you for the news. All right, we're going to get things kicked off with a little bit of Black Lightning talk. Uh, so we got two little uh, tidbits of information this past week uh, as far as what to expect from Season 1. Uh, as of this time, we now know who our big bad uh, is going to be for this season, and that is going to be Tobias Whale. Uh, if the character's name rings a bell, it should. He's the person that eventually became the CEO of Court Enterprises, and serve, which served as the front of the crime syndicate Intergang. Uh, Intergang obviously being a huge, huge uh, little connection to the world of, well, obviously Superman is a big one, where you obviously see Clark uh, struggle and fight, uh, fight across Intergang nonstop. That has been one of the ongoing things that has existed for such a long time. But Tobias Whale was first introduced in 1977 back in Black Lightning number 1. And it was uh, the big bad for uh, Black Lightning when his original book kicked off. But uh, like I said, it, you know, Intergang is usually very connected to Metropolis. So I'm very curious to see where the focus is going to be uh, when Black Lightning starts off. Which city they're, they're going to place him in. Maybe they will do something along those lines. But big wait and see. But I think this is a really good take where we're going to see, uh, I think from what it sounds like, a very big focus on Intergang and Tobias Whale. They did say specifically... They are not doing a villain of the week format for the season. This is going to be the central focus. So it's going to be the, the crime organization and the crime syndicate inter, intergang led by Tobias Whale, which is probably where one of his her, you know, his daughters gets pulled into. Because uh, we do know, I think it was Thunder that gets connected to uh, the crime organization and ends up working with them. I think some way, shape, or form or gets in trouble with it, which just causes uh, Jefferson Pierce to... Uh, to don the suit once again. So I think this will work really well. I really love the idea that it's a single focused villain, not a, a villain of the week. Cause that's a first for us for uh, the Arrowverse shows. Yeah. So, uh, in addition to this, uh, we did get a little other, uh, tidbit that, uh, had a lot of people very excited. And one of the characters they said they want to bring, uh, to, uh, black lightning as well is a character. Many of us love very, very well, especially if you watch cartoons in the nineties, Virtual Hawkins, a.k.a. Static Shock. Uh, dude, I'm um, so pumped by this. Um, yeah, I would love to see this. Now, obviously, the big question that comes into play with this, if they were to attempt to do this, is how these this is going to work with rights. Um, for those of you that don't know... Would this know, be Virtual... Will Smith's son? <laughs> well, the big <laughs> thing is specifically with Static is... You know, that Static Slash, you know, a.k.a. Virgil Hawkins, is a character that was created by Milestone Comics. Um, and now DC does have the rights to the character now as far as comic books, but we do not know as far as live action is concerned if that is true. So the question now comes into play with Milestone Comics founder Dwayne McDuffie and Den Cohen's uh, if, they're, if they've worked out a deal for any kind of, kind of live action appearances for DC to use this character. So it's kind of a big wait and see. Um, now, we did see Static uh, specifically on uh, the mobile version of Injustice just a couple of years ago, and they were working on him and was ultimately a cut character for Injustice 2. So if they have rights to use him in a video game, maybe they do as well for TV and film. It's a big question. Uh, and I know for a long time there's been rumors, as you actually just mentioned, that Jaden Smith was eyeing to was being eyed to play the role in a film at some point 
which I think has, you know, Nell stopped. So good. It's a big question of what's going on with this character. Are they going to be able to use him? And I think right now, all of us really want to see that character all on the small screen. That would be amazing. Um, but the, one of the other last tidbits in this article as well that kind of broke all this down was the idea of a crossover in the future. And they did say this very specifically. Uh, as far as the uh, Black Lightning crossing paths with the Arrowverse, uh, Achille, the, uh, I think it was a, I think it's a brother. It's, uh, yeah, it's two brothers that are doing the show, I believe. Um, but Sam Akil basically said, you know, story t- uh, storytelling is a little bit more political. It's very topical. And it's a lot grittier. It doesn't mean that down the road uh, there's not going to be visits. But it sounds like this season one, as we originally predicted, is going to be a central focus to let them do what they want to do, build up their, their world. And then they definitely said there is very much an opportunity for visits into the Arrowverse down the road. Yeah, so. and, and as, it sh- as it should be. This is a, a show that it's brand new to the, to the Arrowverse. It's brand new to television. Spend the first season focusing on yourself and then worry about crossovers as the time goes on. Right. So, and I think that's, again, we're all on the same page on that one. But my guess, maybe the season after we could see something like that happen. So, uh, jumping over to Supergirl. Uh, Supergirl co-creator is departing the CW and two new showrunners will be taking over. So, Allie Adler has vacated her role as a showrunner on Supergirl, who was originally there since the CBS days. Uh, Jessica Queller and uh, Robert Rovner, who were uh, you know people that also were overseeing the show, and I think were co-executive producers since the show began, are now taking over as showrunners. Uh, we don't know at this point in time if there's going to be any other kind of changes to the show based off of this. It's a big wait and see, but um, I think last season we definitely agree, and we'll get into that in a couple weeks. Uh, massive improvements in season two over season one. And maybe uh, the the change up in showrunners working alongside Andrew Kreisberg and Greg Berlanti, I, I think there's a high chance that we could maybe see some some changes for the best. So big wait and see. Uh, jumping over to Legends of Tomorrow, we now know one of the additional people that should just be a, a member of the Wave Rider, but instead he's just playing another real life historical figure because Billy Zane will be joining Legends of Tomorrow season three. Uh, for a un- unnamed, oh, well, actually, no, it is no longer a named role. He is going to be playing P.T. Barnum in one episode uh, of season three. Can I just so. say too that when you posted this on the Facebook page, I loved the fact that you said, "Now I want to watch Demon Knight," because <laughs> that is probably one of my all-time favorite Billy Zane movies. Well, not even just that; it is such a great, it's a great movie, great horror, yeah. great horror film. And just such a fun time. I, I Those Tales from the Crypt movies, they were a lot of fun, like Bordello of Blood and all, but man, Demon Knight's still one of my favorite films. Yep. It's one of those things, if I, I ever see it, like, or somebody's like, oh, do you want to watch a movie? And if somebody ever brings up that, I'm like, yes, please. I will hands down put that in my top ten at all times because it's so dumb, but so much fun. Yep. Uh, but yeah, so it's awesome to see Billy Zane joining the Arrow versus P.T. Barnum, so... Uh, heading over to the films, uh, there's not, like I said, a ton to discuss here, but a couple of cool things. Uh, Jeff Johns briefly discussed a little bit after uh, the hit that was Wonder Woman. Uh, what is driving the DCEU moving forward? Uh, and I, he did kind of mention, he was like, you know, Wonder Woman is was the first step of all of this. But he said, getting to the essence of the characters and making the movies fun. Just make sure the characters, the characters are, are characters with heart. Humor, hope, heroics, and optimism at their base at all times. They said this is the most important thing moving forward, and I think people believed and understand that when we showed that to them in Wonder Woman. This is the modest operandi of DCEU moving forward without question. So, 
I don't think there's a bad statement in there at all. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, you know, like I said, that the fact that they say humor and heart right there, and it's like I said, it clicks back to the flash and above the writer's room, that humor heart spectacle. So, um, and I think if they can match that tone that they match in Wonder Woman with things like Aquaman going forward, you're, you're definitely going to see a really brighter, more amusing, more fun, and more lovable characters that, and the way that we know them from the DC universe. So, uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what, uh, what comes of Justice League. So it's a big wait and see. But speaking of Justice League, we got a great shot in the background a couple of days ago uh, that some people snapped when they were filming some of the backup shots uh, for the film that uh, J- not Jeff Johns, yeah, Joss Whedon <laughs> is working on. I can't talk today. My brains is it's not all, all right. there. It's all good. It's all good. Um, but what looks like to be the Hall of Justice is being built. <laughs> so oh, and everybody man. immediately saw that and was like, yes. Please. Uh, <laughs> but the structure of it looks oddly like the Hall of Justice. Everybody's just waiting to see. But uh, it was what we got really quickly is like, what's in the hangar? The watchtower? Who knows? And then somebody else posted up, including Jeff Johns, uh, kind of uh, putting up that Twitter picture as well with what looks like this definitely could be the Hall of Justice. Uh, the question is, will it be as awesome as the one as we saw in The Flash? So, I don't know. I want that s- one was that there's there's something so magical about seeing that when we weren't expecting it that I yeah. th- I think that's just I think that's still going to be such a better nod than if we see it in Justice League. Yeah, if, I if we if we because... see it in Justice League, we know it's coming. Yeah, but we had no idea we were going to see that in the Invasion crossover. No, I I know what you mean. Yeah, it's exactly how that works, and I, I really I. I as much as I'm excited to see it, I'm sure it's going to be awesome. Um, when we saw an invasion, it was just, you're right. It's just, we didn't know it was coming. So, uh, and unfortunately this, this wasn't something they officially put out. It's a shots kept coming out of it from people building. Um, so it's a shame that maybe a little bit of a spoiler. I mean, it could be something completely different. We have no idea yet. Uh, but continuing some justice league talk here. There's two other stories to discuss from the film. Uh, we now know who is indeed composing Justice League, and that is none other but Danny Elfman, uh, which I'm really excited about. Um, I know some people are not big fans of his music, but I am more than excited and more than happy the fact that he is joining joining forces with this, uh, especially after his scores. He did uh, the first two uh, Spider-Man films with uh, Sam Raimi. He did you know the Tim Burton Batman, and they uh, you know that Batman theme to this day is just incredibly iconic we still think of that theme over and over uh when we hear and see that character so um but yeah like i said it's nice to see somebody like danny elfman joining forces here and replacing people like junkie xl uh you know which eh, it was a very unmemorable uh score when we saw him in bbs and uh i I will say danny elfman is the right call for this 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 role so my my only concern with danny elfman and don't get me wrong i love danny elfman i love the music that he's done for some movies um my only concern is that a lot of movies that danny elfman has done the score for not all uh are very darker in tone um you know you have movies like men in black you have movies like the frighteners uh army of darkness um, Edward Scissorhands, Bat, the original Batman with Tim Burton. I mean, they all have these very, Beetlejuice, they all have these very much darker tones. Um, which I'm kind of hoping that's not what we're getting out of Justice League. But then again, there are movies 
that he has done that have very much lighter tones to him. Um, you know, as you mentioned, uh, Alice in Wonderland, which actually kind of had a darker feel to it anyway. Uh, but like Oz the Great and Powerful, uh, Mr. Peabody and Sherman, um, uh, there are some, but there, a majority of his work that he's done music for has a darker tone to it. And I just kind of hope that after seeing the lighter tone of Wonder Woman, we're not automatically going back to that darker tone of the DC EU. Be- right. You I, know, because of that music that we're getting. Cause the music like sets said, that tone. It does. But like, think about it though, too. Like we did mention, you know, he did Spider-Man and that was a very positive fun hopeful movie he did spider-man one and two so uh i am sure he's up for the task i'm I'm not too worried about that one so yeah i i would assume too because the some of these characters already have their own theme music like wonder woman and all i mean i'm sure those will find their way into the mix as well so he's working with somewhat of a pre-established tone and now he's just got to make it a little bit more bombastic and entertaining so but what does a uh a aquaman theme or a flash theme sound like written by uh, danny elfman that's going to be kind of interesting to see so very true. Um, and speaking of the Flash, though, in Justice League, we do know that Kirsty Clemens has also now been confirmed to be debuting as Iris West in Justice League as well. So also uh, very cool. There's not a lot to go on there. Just the fact that we know that her shots or scenes have already been shot. Uh, no word if she is returning back into the fold for any reshoots. So it's a big wait and see. Um, but the last stories we have for this week are actually coming out of. Uh, the, this, the the joyous world that we've seen people kind of honoring Adam West, one of the coolest things that has happened this past week was the bat signal shining over Los Angeles in honor of Adam West, which I think was incredibly awesome, incredibly touching that they uh, they lit up one of the buildings with the, the classic symbol, um, which was quite amazing. There's a beautiful crowd that was standing in front of it. Some people dressed in costume uh, and just, you know, if you get a second, there is some video of, uh, you know, just watching some of the former stars. I know Burt Ward was on site as well as I believe Jim Lee as well uh, to honor uh, Adam West's time. So very, very cool to see uh, that DC and the city of LA uh, coming out there in support and love for Adam. So. Yeah. Uh, but last but not least, one of the things that we were hoping that would come to pass that was uh, brought up to us by a couple of our listeners uh, tagging us in this when the news broke uh, and it was I was very thankful that people had a chance because it was been a very busy week. Uh, but NBC has officially released the Adam West episode of Powerless. Uh, you can definitely check that out now. I believe that is how we, you can try to double check where you can watch that. I had that pulled up and lost it. Yeah, because so. I looked on Hulu. It's not available on Hulu, um, but I can't remember exactly where it was that you could watch it. Um, I, I I think um, that. I, I remember one of the places was pretty, um, pretty predominant. I can't remember what it was now. Oh, you know, it's on DC All Access. That's exactly where it is. Um, so that's where it, you can find that. And the thing is, this is the Win Luther Draw episode. This is the what is supposed to be, I think, the finale um, of the what the season was going to be. So if you want to get a chance to check that out, if you head over to DC All Access, I'll even actually, you know what, I will make sure I will grab. Uh, a link to the video from DC All Access and post this over on our Facebook page. So if you do want to watch the final episode that does contain Adam West, it'll be there for you guys. So you can check it out directly on our page, which is facebook.com slash DC Primetime. I think there was another and, way to, the, to watch it, and I can't remember. 
it, it um, is DC. It is DC All Access. That is, they have their their own little app, so you can watch it through there. But they also have it linked on YouTube as well. Okay, so. that's where it was. It was YouTube. I knew there was another predominant uh, way to watch it as well, and that, that's what it was. It was YouTube. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm really, really happy that they are doing this. So that's kind of fantastic. So we'll uh, we'll definitely get a chance to watch it. And maybe we'll talk that sometime later this summer. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, all right. So with that being said. Um, it's it's not going to be for at least another two weeks before you're going to get another annual out of us because uh, it was tough to watch episodes this week uh, in just a week's time. So we need a little bit more time to watch episodes. And I think Supergirl is going to be the next annual that we do. Indeed. Um, so, I mean, right now, I think you're looking at, I think, July 3rd is when that's going to be posted, which is that Monday. Uh, we'll be recording it over that weekend, and then July 3rd will be... Uh, when we'll be posting it uh what do we have on tap for next week i don't think this is something we talked about as of uh, yet. this this is actually i think what uh, you're one of your interviews from um harrisburg comic-con we'll just come in and do the news real quick and give people a listen to that one so it's uh it's uh. ben's choice ben's choice as far as which one you want to to air first as far as the panels you moderate uh you know what i think because uh we're going to be going into uh, because we just talked about Legends quite a bit and Flash soon as well. Uh, I think we'll do the Matt Letcher and Michelle Harrison panel. Awesome. Uh, so, uh, you know, we just got done talking about Eobard quite a bit, uh, on, on this Legends, um, um, this Legends annual. And I don't know if, I think it's something I mentioned before too, but my panel with Matt and Michelle was actually not only Matt's first convention, but his first ever panel. So I have the honor of having been the first moderator to ever moderate a panel with that, with, uh, with Matt. So you guys will have the pleasure of hearing that next week. I think it's about 40 minutes. Um, so yeah, so we'll, we'll come in, we'll do a little bit of news and such, and then we'll, we'll give you that panel in full next week. Yeah, awesome. And you know what? If you, if you have the opportunity, I don't know if this is something you'll be able to do, but if you even can uh, tag in that, uh, that little, uh, interview too with, uh, Michelle Harrison that I think it was Adam did. That yes. It gets interrupted by Brett Dalton. So that could uh, be kind of amusing as we well. We could probably put that, I could probably tack that on at the end as well. Yeah. So, just, uh, cause that, it was just, Damn, that, damn funny. It's funny, but that's actually one that's better to watch. Yeah, you know what? We'll, we'll just make sure we repost it when yeah. that episode posts. So because it was it was one that we recorded on video, um, and you get to see not only Adam's interview with Michelle, uh, but Brett Dalton from Agents of Shield pop in, and Matt Letcher from Legends pop in. So, um, it, it's that one's better watched than than audio. So, but yeah, we'll we'll repost the link to that one as well. So that's good. That's a little bit of a break for us next week, too. It's a, a shorter recording since we're just going to pop on and do the news. Yep. Um, uh, so, uh, cheap plugs. And then, uh, do, are we going to make recommendations this week? I think we uh, can, I think we can share one and just say, check out Win, Lu- Win Luther or Draw, uh, yeah, which is that yeah, final episode. And I can confirm, I just posted that on our, uh, Facebook page. So, uh, the, the link to the YouTube is directly right there. So you should be able to watch it directly on our page. Okay. So. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that'll be our recommendation for the week. We'll share that one and let's check out that final episode. A nice little homage to Adam West. Uh, and if you haven't already, we mentioned it last week. Oh God, check out, uh, Return to the Cape Crusaders. It's so good. 
It really is. So, uh, cheap plugs, and then we will get out of here and let you guys enjoy the rest of your week. Uh, of course, you can check out our other podcast, the Showcast Spotlight, here on the Next Level Podcast Network, nextlevelradioonline.com, and of course, the Facebook page for the Next Level Show, uh, Next Level Podcast Network, facebook.com slash nextlevelradioonline. And as always, you can also find me as well at Next Level Radio Online, the Kathy Crew Cast of Pods. I think we have just figured out what our episode will be. Uh, I don't believe it'll be recording this week, but the week after, fairly early on. Uh, and we are going to, uh, coming off the heels of Wonder Woman, talk about the best female uh, iconic characters that kind of, uh, that are the big standout breakouts that kind of make geek culture even better. So we will have, I believe, uh, you know, uh, I think it'll be a nice even split. I believe my wife Jada and Aaron will all be there to represent. So uh, as we, we were joking, uh, you know, this this should be probably a very uh, intense episode. And I think at the same time, though, too, I think it's one of the most important episodes we could do right now. So, yeah, I agree with that completely. I think it's a good uh, I think it's a good episode to do. And I don't believe I'm a member of the cast of that one. But being the subject material, not that I'm against talking about it, but with the, the people that you have on the cast that week, uh, I'm fine taking a step back because yeah. I think that's a good cast. Yeah, so like I said, it'll it'll be like I said, probably uh, either five or six of us. So it'll be three guys, three girls. But uh, like I said, I, if we had more female uh, members uh, on on the show, we're actually already close to an even split. But w- this was one of those shows where we wanted to make sure we had every one of our female members uh, on to represent. So yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um. A couple of special thanks that uh, I, I'll let you make because you're more familiar with uh, with his work. Or we, I don't. I, do you still have this page up? Because I do not. Um, <laughs> so. I I can I I'm, I can pull it up. The only thing is, it's going to start playing the music, which you might hear. Um, so give me one second if you hear it. I got it muted in time. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, it's uh, username. Uh, I guess it's n instins one 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 seven. Or no, 1117. Uh, N-S-T-E-N-S 1117. Uh, he is the guy that provides us with all of the music for our annuals, both last season and this season. It's incredible rock versions of these theme songs of the show. So, of course, we want to give him a plug. Uh, and you can check out, again, uh, his YouTube page. Just go to YouTube and search for N-S-T-E-N-S 1117. Uh, and you'll hear all of these great rock versions, including the one you heard for the Legends of Tomorrow at the beginning uh, uh, of this uh, this annual. Yeah, so. and uh, I will do one better. I will actually link his page to ours and put up a little post where you can check out his tunes. Uh, that way, like I said, without question, you can find exactly what you're looking for. Because I do agree, it is a little tricky to remember <laughs> the spelling of his name. Yeah. So it'll make yeah. life easy for people. And I, yeah. th- I think we're gonna, um, I think we're gonna attempt to reach out to him too and possibly get him on the podcast at one point and just talk nerdy with him because he's he's obviously when you hear these themes and you see the room that he does them in he he's obviously a fan of these shows so uh, it'd be cool to talk to somebody else about about all this stuff indeed Uh, awesome uh like i said uh like i said a small short week next week for us but you'll still have plenty to listen to uh and then uh after that supergirl so. Absolutely. Uh, God, that was so cheesy. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, once again, we want to thank you guys for contributing to the community and being a part of this community. Thank you for posting. We encourage you to post, comment, message, like, everything you can on social media. Uh, and of course, sub- um, 
subscribe on iTunes. Uh, it is free. Uh, Rob and I might have discovered a little bit of a discrepancy that we're going to fix this week. Uh, nothing that charges to you guys at all. It's just a little bit of a mixed message we might have been sending. Uh, but yeah, I, I, just a reminder, if you subscribe on iTunes, it is free to subscribe. There are no costs to any of that. Uh, so we encourage you to do so. We encourage you to share it with your friends, get them to listen, get them to subscribe, and be a part of the community as well. So many big things planned in the future. We'll get to them as we go. But uh, that's going to wrap it up for this week. Enjoy the rest of your weeks. All the dads out there, we hope you had a great Father's Day. Uh, and we'll see you guys around the bend. Take care. Peace. Peace.